Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast. I'm your host, Henry Chisholm. Um, this podcast is presented by Drift Car Sharing, which is an awesome service that you guys should check out. You can go to drivedrift.com for more info, but basically you leave your car with them when you're traveling or I don't know, whatever you want to do. And then they rent it out and give you money. You get to park for free. They clean it. Uh, it's a it's a steal of a deal. Um, there's a lot to talk about. There's so much to talk about uh, after that football game, after that basketball game, the recruits, the, I mean, big couple days for the buffs, and I actually lost my laptop charger and couldn't get the podcast I wanted to get out last night out, um, so this is going to be a long one, um, so buckle up, I'll try to uh, maybe, I don't know, I'll, I'll leave an outline with the times that we're talking about different things in the post for this at the dnvr.com um and it'll say like you know 40 minutes in or something we're jumping into this um just just a couple of ideas so if there's anything you guys don't want to miss something that you want to hear about more you can hear about that um without waiting through all this because i do think this is going to be a long one um i have an interview that i did with uh, Andre Simone after we recorded the draft pod on Thursday uh, talking about Antonio Alfano. Dre spent hours digging into film, reading about him, doing all the research, knowing everything you can possibly know about him. Um, wrote a film room. It's incredible. Goes through all the strengths, all the weaknesses, and uh, also talked with me for about 15 minutes telling me about all those things. Um check out the actual film room on the website, but that's going to be coming down the road here in 45 minutes. Maybe. I don't know. I'll probably throw it at the end. Again, go to the dmvr.com, find the post for this show and I'll give you like a couple spots where you can jump ahead to basketball talk to talk about that. Uh, because I did want to get a bunch of things out yesterday, but I'm an idiot and had to go to Best Buy after the game to get a new charger. Um, so yeah, uh, Let's start with uh, football. Big day. Really, really big day for so many reasons. First of all, and most importantly, the Buffs are still alive. Are they going to make a bowl game? I I would still bet no. It seems unlikely. They have to beat Washington. They have to beat Utah. But guess what? The path is there, and they did the job today. We'll, we'll see if they can carry that over into the next couple weeks. Uh, the bye week is coming up this week. Um, 
I'm actually not sure what media availability is like yet, but I'll obviously still have podcasts, still have stories coming. And then after that, they host Washington, which is, you know, you're, you're playing a good football team, but you have an extra week of rest and you're playing in, playing them at home. That's what you want. Uh, then they go at Utah to finish the season. It's a tough game. Top 10 ranked opponent. Um, Got to get there first. And if they could make that a meaningful game by beating Washington, I think you have to call this season a success. Um, that's all the future, though. And some things just happened. And so we should probably talk about what we actually know instead of speculating about all that. Um, so where to even start with this game? Um, the recruits, I guess. Before the game, the sideline was packed. I haven't ever seen anything like that before. Like, usually it's tough to get through there. There's people everywhere. It's it's kind of just... A, it, it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks for somebody like me who's trying to go around, get video of the players, put it on Twitter, because you guys all love to see that. Um, it's frustrating weaving around there, but it was pretty cool today just to see the numbers, see who Carson Lee... Brendan Rice, Keith Miller, who they were talking to, uh, just watching them interact after seeing on Twitter how all of this goes. Um, Ashad Clayton was there. Uh, that's uh, it's exciting. He he got kind of the star treatment. Uh, he was out there. All the coaches wanted to talk to him. Everybody wanted to talk to him. Uh, I, I heard that Philip Lindsay may have gotten some one-on-one time with Ashad at some point today. So that can't hurt. That definitely can't hurt. Is there anybody better to uh, talk up the Colorado football program than Philip Lindsay? I don't think so. Uh, hopefully, some of it, some of it worked out. You know, Shaw Clayton also has Alvin Kamara in his ear. They're you know close Louisiana guys. Um, I'm not sure if that the Alvin is really pushing him anywhere in terms of recruiting, but. I don't know. It, it's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, Brendan Rice tweeted after the game, uh, and I don't want to butcher this, but again, he's one of those guys who's been talking to the recruits, trying to pull more in ever since he committed. And he said, uh, I believe I have a few surprises for y'all. By su- I mean, he's, he's saying they're commitments. He's saying he knows guys are coming, and he... he we don't know who. We don't know if it's the big names. We don't know if it's some of the less well-known guys. But it's a good sign. It's a good sign. And I, I don't know. I, I hate that he's doing this to me. You know, like just teasing me like this. Because I, I don't know any more about this. And, and maybe some of our recruiting, or not our guys, but like, Chase Howler, somebody who covers recruiting very closely, might have some inside knowledge. But for somebody like me who, like, you know, I pay attention. I, I hear things occasionally, but I'm not somebody who's in the know about every single thing that's happening. Ooh, I, I do think that knowing that Phil Lindsay had one-on-one time with Ashad Clayton might just be me. But, you know, those guys might have gotten tips. Like, somebody's leaning this way. Um, I I don't get those tips and so i'm in the same boat as all of you just hearing that and thinking oh boy this is exciting hopefully hopefully we hear something soon hopefully we hear something soon um yeah i i, I don't i don't know I, I guess that's something we just have to wait and see play out um 85 recruits 
was the number. I'm not sure if I've said that. 81 on unofficial visits, eight or and then four on official visits, including Ashai Clayton, by the way, um, who I had a chance to talk to. I, I just realized I had, I do have something to add to this conversation. Um, he he was heading up and and I wanted a chance to introduce myself. I was kind of waiting for the right time and uh met him, met his mom, just said, "Hey, what's what's up? How's it going?" Good. And uh I said, "How do you like Boulder so far?" He's like just big smile and said, "I like it." And that's all I had time for. So good sign for sure. Uh definitely a good shine, the sign that that's how that conversation went. Uh, finally met Brendan as well. Um again, didn't have much time to talk to him. I, I didn't want to like bother him because honestly, I just want him out there talking to everybody else. And that's what I said. I was like, Hey, just want to like introduce myself. Like, I know, I know you're busy. You have all these guys are talking to coming in here. So I don't want to take up your time, but you know, um, both of them seem like good guys for sure. Uh, everybody I met did. I think that that's why Mel probably recruits them, but, uh, it's exciting. And the buffs did what they need to do to, uh, pull those commitments in and that's really exciting for the future here in Boulder. What a time to get a win. Same thing as Nebraska. You know, Nebraska, you get Brendan Rice. Maybe you actually do get a shot, Clayton, because you beat Stanford. Uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I think that's most of my recruiting stuff. Essentially, they were everywhere. And... Uh, it's fun seeing the clicks. Fun seeing McChesney out there with all of his guys too. Um, so yeah, that was the pregame. Hung out on the sidelines, met everybody, uh, and then the game started. <sighs> and, and I don't really have too much to say about this game, which is kind of weird. I thought there'd be a lot more that I would have to say it's exciting to win for sure. Definitely exciting to see them win, but you know, it's starting out the game, uh, Colorado just gashed, uh, the, the Stanford defense, uh, Stanford with a famously stout defensive line, uh, couldn't slow down Alex Fontenot early on. I think, I think that first drive, he carried the ball four times, was averaging eight and a half yards per carry, and his long was 11 yards. And so that means all those carries are in that, like, they were all six and a half to 11 yards. You're six to 11 yards, or seven to 11 yards, something like that. Uh, just consistently picking up whatever he wanted. The The drive ends with uh, uh, Steven Montez getting into the end zone and, and scoring with his legs from 13 yards out, like dove over a defender. Uh, good looking run. Good looking run. Um, the, the running game did kind of slow down from there. It definitely wasn't bad. Uh, Fontenot finished with 18 carries, 95 yards. It's a 5.3 average. You know, a, a lot of what LaVisca Chenault did uh, was called part of the passing game but was actually runs. I, th I think there are at least two or three um, jet sweeps that he had that are technically classified as passes because the ball went forward to him, but they were basically running plays. Um, he played well. He he played well for sure. Uh, he was targeted eight times, caught all eight of those, and picked up 91 yards doing it. 
Uh, also had one run for five yards. Uh, I think that that might have been the one. I know, I know that it was a five-yard pickup on that fourth down late on the game-winning drive. Uh, that might be the one that they're calling a run. Um, he looked good. He, he he did all the things you expect him to do. He was brushing off tacklers. He uh, was running guys over. He was running past guys. He, he put everything on display that he has. Um, there, there weren't any big plays. That opportunity just wasn't quite there. I guess he, he did pick up 29 yards on one of them. But for LaVisca Chenault, that doesn't really feel like a big play. But on, on one of the early touches, his second or third of the game, sometime early second quarter, I'd guess, maybe late first quarter, he 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 caught the ball on one of those jet sweeps, ran around the outside uh, to the right side of the formation, uh, lowered his shoulder, uh, hit a guy hard, a defensive back hard, put him on the ground as, as he was running out of bounds. Probably didn't need to, probably could have stepped out, but that's not what he does. And then uh, Visca went down on the sideline. Uh, something about that hit got him too. I think they called it a knee thing, which surprised me just watching the play. Um, but yeah, they they treated him for a minute on the sideline, then took him into the locker room. And again, that's kind of the story of the season is that he just hasn't been able to stay on the field. And then uh, immediately after the the sports information staff at CU says he's questionable to return. Uh, he's back on the field. And that was too, that was pretty early in the second half. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of how his day went, got hurt, missed some time and still put up 90 yards, 91 yards actually, plus the five rushing yards. Um, that's what Visca does. Love to see him just get healthy. Love to see him just be able to play like we know he can play. Um, you can tell he's frustrated. You can tell, like he said after the game, like you got asked when you came back in, did it hurt? And he kind of laughed and was like, "Yeah, no, there was a lot of pain, but it's just pain. Like you can keep playing." And Mel had more nice things to say about him, saying like, "You know, he's had he's been banged up all year." But he's always given us everything he has. We appreciate it. He's a tough kid. Um, it's kind of too bad. Um, see, there you go. There's there's the story on LaVisca Chenault today. A, a little disappointing, but probably better than a lot of us expected. Uh, 91 receiving yards is his third most of the season. Uh, second most of the season, now that I think of it. I, I think he has... 70 something yard gain game I can't remember if he has 200 yard games games or not I know he had he had 350 yard games coming into today but uh yeah not not enough not enough uh in the past and now he seems like he's trending in the right direction hopefully the bye week he said it's going to help him he said he's excited about it, comes at the right time um honestly for him pretty much any time would be the right time this season just the way everything's played out but yeah, uh, KD was their second leading receiver, uh, tied with Tony Brown. Both of them three catches, thirty-two yards. Um, I uh, don't have too much to say about either of them. This offense, outside of that first drive, was pretty average. 
Um, they they moved down the field late, I guess, and and that was most of their production, like that first drive and that last drive, and that was enough. Like Stanford is a good defensive football team. Colorado was able to match that, come out with a 16-13 win. I'm not sure if I've even said the score yet, but uh, yeah, uh, three catches, 32 yards for both of them. I think KD. I never saw what happened on that play where he was in the end zone. It didn't make much sense how he didn't catch the ball. He was wide open. I heard it got tipped. Um, just a weird thing. Just a weird thing. Uh, Dimitri Stanley out there. It was funny. I think maybe the first play of the game was a pass to him, and he got his head around late on an out route and got like a hand on the ball but couldn't bring it in. They run the exact same play on the next play. He's open in the same spot, gets his head around, catches the ball, and picks up seven yards. Um that was one of them. Oh, they called it six yards. Two six-yard catches, three targets. Uh, Maurice Bell got some run. Avante Chenault got some run, which was exciting. Uh, didn't do much. Actually, was never targeted, but he was out there. Um, I think he came on when LaVisca went off for the first time and then rotated in. Um, again, like I said, didn't do much, but it's exciting to see him out there. Uh, Jalen Jackson caught a pass, also exciting. Uh, didn't do much with it, but you know that's how the game goes. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think that that mostly sums up the offense. Not a great day for Steven, but did enough to win the game, and that's what matters. Uh, not gonna hear too much hate for him after a win, or at least you shouldn't. Um. Before we move on to talk about this defense, which played really well, they looked they looked good. They looked like they just got rid of the explosive plays, and that was enough to uh, to to uh, to 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 make them a real defense. Sorry, I was trying to click on a thing. I was able to pull it up. The uh, Stanford had two plays of fifteen or more yards. Oh wait, that was the wrong side. Colorado chunk plays, Colorado passing chunk plays. Oh, it's because I'm in the wrong part of the stats. Um, okay. So there were a lot more than that. Uh, <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Oh, okay. So they they had rushes of fourteen, thirteen, thirteen, fourteen, and eleven. Um, passes of thirty-one, eighteen, seventeen, twenty, fifteen, and then seventy-nine. The long touchdown, long touchdown. You know, kind of inexcusable, but uh, to have given up other passing plays, 31, 18, 17, 20, 15, when they've consistently been giving up, what, four 20-plus yard uh, plays per game, five, um, it looked better. Passed the eye test. Sometimes had tough bringing down Scarlett, the massive running back, for uh Stanford like he's just running everybody over um but that's how it's been all season for him so that's not something I would really worry about uh they look good they did what they needed to do uh, maybe got a little bit of luck on the KJ Costello interception just a bad throw I- I'm already getting into this defensive talk and that was not the plan Breckenridge Brewery pretty cool uh, you should you should check out their beers. You should definitely check out their beers. Um, Strawberry Sky, I think, is still my favorite. Uh, I've been drinking a lot of Hollowdale as we move toward the holidays. Um, 
that's let's talk about that beer. I don't think we've spent much time on that beer. I think it's ten point four percent alcohol content, however however they phrase that. Um that's a lot. It's definitely a lot for a beer. Um that's like having two or more Coors lights. And it's good too. It's it happens because they age it in whiskey barrels. And so when when you put the whiskey in the barrel, some of it like soaks out. Um, the reason that they do it is so that like the oaky flavor or whatever, uh, and this is based on a movie I watched. I can't remember which movie, but the oaky flavor of the barrel will like seep into the whiskey, but then the whiskey, just a little bit of it will take up the space that is created in the barrel. So it just like transfers. They like trade spots. And then when they're done making the whiskey in it, um, they put the beer in and it does the same thing. So some of the beer goes in the barrel and it pulls in some of that whiskey. And so that's how it gets more alcohol. And that's where Hollidale comes from. Um, They do a bunch of science to make it all work right and taste good, but it's a pretty cool thing. And it's a very unique beer. Uh, You guys should check it out. Um, A lot of people really like it. And some people are like, I don't understand. And you just have to remember like it's, it's a different thing. I, I, I'm a fan. Uh, so check that out. Use the beer locator. You can find some. It's on their website, the Breckenridge Brewery website. Um, it's good stuff. And uh, one place where I know you can get Holidale because I have done it is at Total Beverage, where if you use the code BSN2019, you can get 30% off your order of $75 or more. It's a steal. Uh, I've never heard of a deal like that from a liquor store and it's a massive liquor store, which means already pretty low prices. Uh, they have anything you want. They deliver, they deliver for free if you spend at least $50. So if you're doing the $75, 30% off thing, that's perfect because if you spend $75 on the dot, that's going to be like a $52 order, $53 order. And, uh, it's going to be super cheap. Um, they'll, they'll be perfect to get delivered. Um, they deliver pretty much everywhere too. So check out Total Bev. Uh, if you want to go in person, their stores in Thornton and Westminster. Um, so yeah, check them out. Uh, I know I do. Uh, okay. Back to football. I was, uh, digging just a little bit too deep into the defense for my tease for talking about the defense, but let's just kind of keep it going. They looked good. They looked like a real defense for a long time um issues in the running game you know scarlet really didn't have that great of a day by his standards still averaged almost five yards per carry but only 63 yards on 13 attempts if if the buffs knew that was going to happen they would be happy with that you know if somebody would have said like on thursday hey mel Scarlet goes 13 for 63, no touchdowns. How do you feel? And he said, yep, let's do that. That's that's good. Uh, Colby Parkinson, leading receiver, the tight end, uh, five catches, 54 yards on 10 targets. You know, Nate Landman made good plays in coverage. Davion Taylor made some good plays in coverage. I was really impressed by him. He's somebody who um, I kind of keyed in on on this game because – uh, for a bunch of reasons. Um, and here's a spoiler. I want to do something cool with him on the senior bowl thing. Um, 
I still have to figure out when and how and all that kind of stuff and what exactly I want to say because, like, I don't know. It, it seems pointless for me to be saying, hey, Davion, what's it, what's it like? How does it feel? And he'll say it feels good. You know, it wouldn't have happened without this person, this person, this person. I'm excited, but at the same time, as soon as I accepted my invite, it was back to one week at a time and focusing on Stanford. And now that that's over, we're focused on what I was, you know, that's how it goes. Uh, and if you guys are going to pay for, for my content, I don't want to be the guy who's writing that story because I know that somebody else and probably a couple people will probably write that story. Um, and me repeating it just doesn't seem necessary. So I don't know. I'm going to see if I can come up with something cool to do with that. Um, and that's why that I was really looking at him. And also because he did get a Senior Bowl invite. And because he is the number 7 ranked safety on Mel Kuyper's big board at the moment. Which is awesome. And uh, well deserved. He's a talented guy. He's a smart guy. Uh, he's built for the NFL. We'll see how everything plays out, of course, but I, I see where that where that hype comes from, and I really wanted to dig in more, and I was impressed. I think that he, his speed is exceptional. Uh, he's got to be one of the fastest players on the team. Watching how he chased down, blew up a screen a yard behind the line of scrimmage, running from inside the interior of the defense that money position pretty much an inside linebacker to chase down the screen pass get the guy out in the flat near the sideline um, behind the line of scrimmage impressive stuff there aren't many guys in college football who can do stuff like that and that's where that hype is built off of the trouble has always been in coverage uh, particularly you know man coverage trying to stick with shifty receivers because as he plays the money star position mostly that star position um, he's lined up against slot receivers, guys who are quick, guys who can get away from him, a little slippery, and he has the straight line speed. It's getting up to that speed that's a little bit tougher for him. You know, he's a big guy. He's 220 pounds, 230 pounds, right around there. Um, and I, I think that he is definitely improving. You saw some good plays against Parkinson, who is one of the best tight ends in the conference. Um, Nate Landman, I, I think I mentioned, I, he also made some plays. He also looked pretty good. Uh, I, I love that pairing in the middle of the defense, you know, uh, whether it's Akeel Jones, whether it's John Van Deest, they both have strengths and they both have weaknesses like every other football player. I think that they do a lot of things well. I think both of them or either one of them could have strong futures uh, in Boulder, in college football, if they decide to go somewhere else. You know, whatever happens, those are good football players. I don't think that either of them fits as well next to Nate Landman against Pac-12 offenses as Davion Taylor does. Uh, this is something that I had been wanting to see more of early in the season. You know, Davion said uh, he feels more comfortable inside than outside, more comfortable in that money position than the star position, the inside linebacker versus the outside linebacker slash cornerback. Um, the more they've put him there, the the better he's looked doing it. Uh, very impressed by how he played tonight. Um, couple mistakes. Obviously, uh, there was the pass interference on Parkinson downfield. He was in 
great position. You know, he had everything figured out, but the ball was just lofted so high. He just ran into him, beat up the tight end when he could have waited. I don't know if I wouldn't be surprised if Parkinson like put his hands up real quick or something like that. I haven't gone back and looked or flashed his hands or something like that. Just made it look like the ball was about to get there to draw that pass interference downfield. Um, can't let that happen. That's the point. And, and I think that for a guy like Davion, it makes sense that that is what he struggled with. You know, he he's more the safety outside linebacker, typically a zone guy rather than a man guy. Uh, which means you're sitting back, keeping the receiver in front of you with your eyes on the quarterback as well. As soon as you go on man, you're just running with a guy. You're looking at him. You're looking at the guy you cover instead of looking at the quarterback. And it's a different set of skills. It's a really different set of skills being able to read a receiver, break up the pass at the right time um, when you're looking at him versus looking at the quarterback. That's stuff that's going to come with time. This is a new role for Davion. He's being asked to do different things than he was asked to do last year and uh, at JUCO before that. So I definitely see the NFL hype. He has the speed and size combination that teams are looking for. The question is just where does he fit? And we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. I thought he played well, and I'm excited about that because I was watching him um there was a pass rush which was pretty cool not something that's happened often this season for Colorado um and I really like the way that they generated the pass rush I think that you know when you look at the numbers it was I I think they had two sacks uh five hurries five tackles for loss might be fewer hurries than that something right around there Pretty solid, pretty solid numbers getting in the backfield. Um, and if you just saw those numbers, you know there's a bunch of ways you can you can do that. You can have one guy dominate. You can have a couple guys like each play pretty well. You can have good schemes from your defensive coordinator, good play calls, um, blitzing, and what what happened was a nice blend of all of that. Um, Mustafa Johnson looked good. Terrence Lang looked really good. Uh, Tyson Summers, I thought, called a great game. Um, There was one third down in particular that I just loved. It was so long ago that (laughs) figuring out when exactly it happened. But the the point is that they're using some more exotic looks now. It felt like early in the season, everything was pretty much by the book. You know, you're in that 3-4 you have three guys on the line. You have a linebacker who's basically a stand-up edge that's also on the line of scrimmage. You have the other linebackers behind. You know, it, it looks very similar pre-snap every play. And, of course, there's strengths and weaknesses to that. But it seems like the last couple weeks they've been running a lot more, you know, double-A gap stuff. Um, and on that third down that I was talking about, the personnel grouping they used was awesome. It was really, really cool to see. Um, and they had eight guys within two yards of the line of scrimmage. Everybody was up there. Can't tell who's rushing, who's not rushing. Uh, two guys back sitting on the sticks, a cornerback and a safety on the sticks. And then a safety 10 yards behind them playing you know, safety, making sure nothing gets behind them. 
and they had two defensive linemen out there. They had Terrence Lang and Mustafa Johnson on the inside. Um, then they have outside linebackers, uh, Alex Changham and uh, uh, Carson Wells lined up on the same side. Down the other side, they have Davion Taylor and Nate Landman. And all of these guys are basically lined up uh, not quite within the tackles, but pretty close. And then Mark Perry just outside, kind of near the slot, but also prime blitzing position. You don't know which of those, what, seven guys, any of them could have been rushing, any of them could be dropping in coverage. You know, it, it could be all seven going. It could be two going and everybody else playing these short little zones. There's so many options, and college quarterbacks aren't going to be able to read that. Even good ones like K.J. Costello, who I thought played a, you know, a, a decent game. Um, a pro prospect for sure. Um, yeah, and, and they got beat on the play. Uh, it didn't work out, but just seeing them do stuff like that, and they they this wasn't the only time they pulled something out of the bag like this. Um, it's nice. It's creative play calling. It's catching the other team off guard. It's it's putting... I mean, you know what's going to happen if you're the quarterback. Uh, some of those guys are coming at you. Some are going to drop back. And it's just finding the gaps. And finding those gaps at the split second is really hard to do. Really hard to do. Um, I love it. I think that... I think that on both sides of the ball, you can see the growth from the play callers, from the coordinators um, who are making the play calls. And here's the thing. I know I know a lot of people don't really like either Jay Johnson or Tyson Summers or both. Uh, they, they don't think either of them are going to pan out. And that's fair. Like, I, I see why. There are definitely complaints to be had with this offense, with this defense, um, for sure. I think that defensively, a lot of the problem has been the time it's taken to install the game plans. I think the fact that, you know, you, you're you down to your, I mean, the starters, to, to, to the star, you didn't have Delrick today. You had KJ Trujillo and you had uh, Tariq Luckett starting at cornerback. That's not what you expected at all early in the season. That's your fourth and fifth guys starting the game. And when you're running through injuries like they are at every position, you know, you're doing on the defensive line, they're rotating those linebackers. Uh, It's tough to move past the basics of a scheme. It's tough to start changing things up before everybody even knows what they're supposed to be doing normally. And I think that now we're starting to see what this defense can do when you you do get to be creative when you do trust everybody to know their assignment when you expand the playbook from whatever 20 pages to 30 pages um still got beat on some big plays but they're young i don't i don't know i don't like saying they're just not talented but the guys that they have have their strengths and their weaknesses and for a lot of the season, I mean, pretty much all the season, that base 3-4, it's Nate Landman whose strength is tackling and not covering, and it's John Van Deest or Kill Jones whose strengths are also tackling and not covering. That leaves you with a weakness. By moving Davion Taylor in there, sure, you get a little bit light in the box, but it, 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 it really helps in coverage. 
you're starting to see guys be used more to their strengths. All of a sudden, Nate Lamon doesn't make you think like, oh no, what's happening to Nate? He has a pretty decent game because he has the support around him that he had last year. I don't know. I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and look at the film. It's been so long since I watched those games. But I guess that they were supporting him in the same way, and that's why he looked better. Um, you know, defensive coordinators in the NFL are going to be able to protect him in that same way uh, because he's just going to come in and he's the new guy and he has to learn. And when he does learn, that's when he's going to see the field. When he knows the 30-page playbook instead of just the 20-page playbook, uh, where the standard this year was you have to know these 20 pages because it took so long to learn all those pages. Finding 11 guys who can do it um, just didn't happen. You know, uh, I think that that's kind of true of everybody. Putting Davion in a role that fits him better. Uh, figuring out how to play to the player's strengths and weaknesses. And I think that they probably figured it out a couple weeks ago, but implementing that on top of implementing the basics, is it just takes time. Um offensively is kind of a different story. Um, You have the talent. Sure, you don't really know who's going where, but, I mean, in terms of the receivers, is is LaVisca Chenault playing? Um, Because that changes a lot of things. Uh, and, And it's weird to say, like, whether or not LaVisca Chenault is on has decided whether the offense is good or not it but game planning around your cornerstone and then not having your cornerstone is tough not game planning around him and then trying to throw him in can also be tough um so that's part of it uh you know Steven Montez has struggled in moments when they needed him to not struggle uh you think back to the Washington State game Tough game, but a winnable game if Steven Montez plays well. UCLA, same thing. Probably should win, but Steven Montez did not play well and kind of took him out of it. All of a sudden, if we're sitting here at, uh, what would that be, 6-3, and three, by flipping those two results, you feel good. Um, really, really good. Uh so I don't want to put too much of the blame on any one person. I also think that offensively and defensively, but but very much so offensively, it just takes time to learn how to use all the different weapons you have. Being able to put them out on a football field, put them in different situations. You know, what does Tony Brown do against man-to-man coverage with a guy who's, you know, a, a fairly typical cornerback, average athleticism, average height, average weight, you know, just like your basic cornerback. You, you learn that. What if the guy's super long? What if he's a little bit, you know, underweight, but super long? What happens if it's a short corner? Do you just throw it up? And you just have to see what they do in all these different situations against all these different types of guys, against these different schemes. What happens in zone coverage? What happens when you're asking him to do this? Can he figure? And, and you have to do that for all those players and figure out how to work the way down the field. And we've seen flashes. I didn't think that it would take this long. And even today, you know, wasn't great. Really wasn't great. I mean, 16 points. Uh, Stanford's defense is good. It's a very good defense, I think. Um, the stats put it kind of middle of the pack. 
I think that it's probably better than that. Um, they've had a bunch of injuries uh, and guys who came back today, but I I don't know. I, I mean, Jay Johnson and Tyson Summers are both going to be back next year. I would be surprised, I would be shocked, honestly, if either of them aren't back next year. Next year is when you need to see things start to come together a little bit more. Um, sure, there will be new pieces to work in, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, I, I, I think that that's got to be the bar at this point. Uh, you have a full year. You, you have two springs, two falls, um, a season under your belt. What do you do with it? And if things don't get better on either side of the ball, that's when you start to think about making a change. Uh, so yeah, that's that's my take on the situation. At least I have no problem with bringing either of those guys back. I think that um, both have potential. It's just figuring out whether they do anything with it or not. Um, that was a lot on those coordinators. Um, I think that that's most of what I thought about the defense. Mikhail Onu can can hit. He can really hit. Uh, that's been on display for a lot of this season, and it was again today. Um, yeah. Um, I'm going to take another quick break, and I will be right back in just a minute. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, uh, now we get to get into the fun stuff. Um, now that we've talked about the offense, we talked about the defense, we kind of talked about the coaching situation. Um, how about Evan Price nailing the game winner? Uh, he, he looked good. He looked good. I'm not sure if, if he has like a big leg. Um, I think his long day was what, like 37 yards. Um, still got to see what happens at range, but if, if he's the future of Buffs kicking, you feel pretty good about it. Um, game winner today drilled it right down the middle of the uprights and it was pretty cool to see uh, I was up behind the uprights I'm not sure if you guys saw the videos I posted but uh, I'm kind of upset because I got the new iPhone and the camera is really nice and then I put it on Twitter and Twitter ruins the quality so that's frustrating for me instagram doesn't if you want to go to instagram the handle's the same at henry chisholm and uh i posted a bunch of the videos of you know everything that went down afterward right on the field seeing evan price get held up by all the linemen they uh actually drop him 
uh, runs around, gets high fives everywhere. Had an awesome moment with his brother Davis Price. It's actually kind of crazy that James uh, Stefano was unable to play um, this week because this was the week that Evan overtook his big brother Davis. Evan the freshman, Davis the senior on the Buffs kicking depth chart. And that meant he was next man up. He said he learned on Thursday that he was going to be the starting kicker this week. And uh, it all worked out. So, yeah, it was a cool moment between Evan and Davis, um, Evan and Mel all over. Uh, People were excited. People were excited for him. Um, His brother was excited for him. It it was pretty cool, especially hearing Evan talk about uh, his his brother, how much fun he's having being on the same team. He said, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy these last few games that we have together. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, it's cool that all of this got to happen. Awesome moment. Um, for a bunch of different reasons. I mean, it'd be nice to just go in and blow out Stanford, but giving the fans something to cheer for and keeping the fans cheering in front of those recruits might be just as valuable. Um, yeah, he he looked he looked good. Definitely happy with him. Davis does the kickoffs, by the way. Uh, in case you guys aren't like super tuned in to the all the touchbacks that happen, that's that's Davis who does all those touchbacks. So they're both out there playing. Um, yeah. What else was happening after the game? Uh, people everywhere. People dancing. People singing. Um, the team ran into the end zone so that they could sing at the fans. Uh, sing at the student section. Um, Simone George, the recruiting director, she was dancing with uh, Vontae Chenault and Dion Smith. They were going crazy. Visca gave his gloves to some uh, some little girl. The little girl started asking me to give her a pylon. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give you a pylon. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> that's not mine to give away. Went over, took a picture of him. They got Katie Nixon's uh, armband too. Uh, just cool. Wins are cool. Wins are a lot more fun. Um, going through all those videos, cutting them up. I sp- I spent like forty minutes, probably more. Like in terms of just cutting video, I I spent an hour probably today cutting and posting videos. Maybe ninety minutes, and putting it on my Instagram account so I can tag them so that they can put it on their stories because they all want to post all of their stuff. I don't know. It's worth it though because it's cool content and people seem to enjoy it um yeah if you guys are in us you can just go look but it's just so much more fun after a win to be a part of all that everybody's excited uh what else oh at one point um the little girl who was asking me for the pylon was asking uh uh megan mueller the one of the recruiting coordinators to give her visca's helmet because Visca had given her his helmet while he was doing media stuff. And, yeah, I don't know. It was fun. It's fun to be around all that. Uh, it's good to, for the recruits to see that, too, for all the recruits to be lined up in the tunnel seeing everything that's going on. Um, yeah, I think that that's most of the football stuff I want to talk about. Um, I'll probably just jam a bunch of basketball stuff in right now and then cut in the the uh clip of B and Andre talking about Antonio Alfano and him knowing so much about Antonio 
after that. Um, where to start with that basketball game? So they won. The Buffs beat Arizona State in Shanghai, China, uh, which is pretty cool. They looked really good um, for most of the game. I think you could see the potential there for sure. You could see how they could have a path to, you know, the Sweet 16, something something like that. They, they are that type of team. They put that on display, uh, got the win, built a pretty big lead, up by 20, pretty much gave that, I'm not quite 20, uh, gave that lead away and then built it back up and ended up winning by 11 or 12. That was last night. And there have been so many numbers, I don't know the exact ones. But uh, that's kind of the broad stuff. Um, this is always like the toughest part of talking about this kind of stuff is figuring out like after you get through the big picture, where do you start talking? And I guess with the buffs, you have to start talking about um, the coach. Let's go with Tad Boyle. Uh, something I didn't realize about Tad is that he just refuses to call timeouts. Um, Silver Buff was actually at Blake Street Tavern, got to chat with him and his girl for a while, which was pretty cool. Had never met him in person. Always weird seeing internet friends and turning them into real life friends, but also kind of the best. Uh, saw him a bit today too. I had a blast talking about the recruits. But after the game, he was like, yeah, he doesn't call timeouts. And I was like, I noticed that. What What is up? You know, Arizona State makes the run, cuts it to 52-51. And you just think, oh, here's here's where Tab Boyle calls the timeout for sure. You know, the last couple times, last couple possessions, I thought he was going to um, when they got to like 46, when they got to 48, you know, all this kind of stuff. And he just never does it. And you're like, okay, this is the one. This is where he has to call the timeout. And he didn't. And just kept playing. And I don't understand. I really don't understand. And so when Silverbuff said, yeah, he doesn't do that, isn't that weird? It's like, yes, very much so. That's strange. Um, I haven't dug in. I'm sure somebody in the past has asked him why. I think Silverbuff said something like uh, he just wants them to figure it out on the court. Which I don't like, but... I'm going to dig into that, see if I can figure out why that happens. And if not, then I'll just go ask him myself. I don't like just asking repeat questions, though. There's really no point. Like, if you've talked about this before, and I bet somebody's asked at least, like, five times a season, um, because this is, I mean, it's it's somewhere between strange and just bad. Like, it's it's a generally accepted uh practice that when there's other teams making a run you call time out you change things up you talk about what's happening you fix it sometimes you just need a little break to reset that's like general gen like widely accepted that's just what you do in basketball and it works and nobody really doesn't do that except for tad boyle and maybe he is some sort of basketball genius who knows more than the rest of us and it's it works for some reason um, or more likely the, the the crowd of basketball coaches, everybody else is right. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, surprised me. One of the things that stuck out, um, I think that was a big thing with Tab Boyle. Got to see the rotation. Um, not, not too much of a surprise. I uh, thought we'd see more Dallas Walton, um, 
maybe maybe it's just that he's still recovering from the injury, getting worked back in. Thought that he could be a, a pretty big piece, but really was not. Um, a lot of the guys who I kind of had questions about, maybe not in terms of what they were capable of, but in terms of whether they would even make the rotation just because the buffs are so deep at a couple positions, showed out. Those guys looked pretty good. Um, pulling up the roster now so I can just go name by name through everybody. But uh, sure, Shane Gatling. Thought he played a pretty decent game. Um, don't have too much to say. Came off the bench, I guess, which is notable. Um, he was behind Deshaun Schwartz and Jalen Koontz. Probably, or probably definitely just behind Dalen Koontz. But uh, that made sense to me. I think that that worked. I don't want to talk about him in case you hadn't noticed. Um, moving forward to Tyler Bay. Uh, he looked good. Uh, some mistakes, some turnovers, um, some weird decisions. Um, he was 0 for 4 from 3. I believe, off the top of my head, which means that he's taking threes, which means that he thinks he can make threes. Um, and I think that, you know, when you see 0 for 4 for 3, that's a bad thing. 98% of the time with Tyler Bay, I think that that's actually kind of a good thing. I think that that is a positive stat for Colorado. And I think that it means that he could be improving in that regard. Uh, took 20-something threes last year, I think, all season. We'll see if he can actually add that to his game. Uh, that'd be huge. Maybe after seeing that it didn't work, he gets told to pull back a bit. But worth watching for sure. Surprised me every time he pulled one. And there were quite a few. Threw down some alley-oops. Did all the stuff that an NBA guy should be doing. Um... I think that's mostly it. Some mistakes, but still put out a pretty good performance. I think a lot of reasons to be excited. I think all the mistakes were things that come with not playing competitive basketball for five or six months. Uh, just going to take some time for everybody to kind of get under control. Um, don't want to skip ahead. Let's just keep going by numbers. Dalen Koontz, I thought looked good. I think that maybe there were a couple defensive mistakes, but offensively, very impressed. I think that he makes sense to be the starting two. Um, probably holding down that position going forward. Um, Maddox Daniels. Here's a guy who I did want to talk about. The Juco transfer. Um, kind of tough to see how a guy like him is going to fit in initially just because there are so many returning contributors to this basketball team. Um you know, when he comes in and we hear that he's the best shooter, does that mean that uh, does that mean that he's a starter? Does that mean that he's end of the bench guy who could get in if things go sideways this season and they need to use all that depth? Um, what we saw is that he is one of the primary off the bench guys, and he. I think definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, some some nice shooting, of course. The shooting was good. He was two of three from three, but 
you know, he had some touch, I thought, that kind of surprised me. Um, Looked decent defensively. I think that he is going to kind of be that three-ball guy, the guy who can space the floor for him. And I'm I'm excited to see that keep going. Uh, Deshaun Schwartz up next. I'm just going by the numbers through here. Uh, he looked good. He looked really good. Um, I liked the way he played. I thought that he he played well inside, getting to the rim, but it was kind of built off a three-point shooting ability that was nice to see for sure. Again, I mean, the team shot 37.5%, and I, I think that the that's from the three-point line. I think that the three-point shooting is something that really will dictate how this season goes because it, they couldn't get much going last year on that end. I, I like the way this team is built defensively. I think that they have guys who can score inside, and this is kind of like that last thing, that last little piece they need to click to make this one of the teams where you're like, oh, wow, we really don't want to have to play Colorado. And you see guys who can can shoot now, which is exciting. Um, outside of Schwartz and Daniels, things got a little bit ugly. I guess, I mean, the only other guy who made a three was Lucas Seward, who was one for two. Uh, Bay was 0 for 4, Kuntz was 0 for 1, McKinley Wright was 0 for 1. Um, and so you just need Schwartz and Maddox Daniels. And I think that uh, Dalen Kuntz, you know, he, he didn't score all that well. Um, made some mistakes defensively. Um, I still do think that he probably is the guy going forward. I think that Shane Gatling could definitely take that spot back. But... You know, I I, I I don't know. Maybe a tough night for Dalen. Not bad enough to get benched, though. And I think that he can redeem himself here. Again, it's still early. It's the first game, first competitive game. They go to China. Who knows? I, I, I still don't read too much into it. Um, Moving along, though, uh, Alexander Strotting, he... I think I'm saying that right. I've still been learning. I, I was definitely saying it wrong before I watched the game last night and heard the commentator say it. Um, he was out there, is what I'm going to say. Played seven minutes. Didn't see too much worth talking about. Evan Batty uh, up next. Looked good. Um, maybe some issues with the turnovers. Um, again, maybe some decision-making type stuff with him, but, you know, he keeps comparing himself to Nikola Jokic, and then he goes out there and you kind of see it. Um, good with his back to the basket, uh, efficient in the post. He's so big. He's tough to move around. I liked what I saw. I, uh, again, w- the same story as with a lot of these guys can you just clean it up a little bit more? And since it's the first game, I say, yeah, you you probably can. Um, okay, found the turnover numbers. He had three. Bay had four, uh, which is too many, especially for guys who are playing their positions. Um, let's go to Lucas Seward, who, you know, he struggled. He, he, he made four of his nine shots, put up nine points. I thought... 
there were some mistakes. Uh, turnovers seemed bad. Yeah, uh, three turno- turnovers for him as well. Just things that you can't afford from your big men. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that pretty much sums it up. Some defensive mistakes as well. I He's in a, a tough spot, you know. Dallas Walton only played the two minutes. He could be coming for some of those Lucas Seawort minutes potentially uh we'll we'll see again how that kind of plays out but i wouldn't be too surprised to see um seward's minutes cut a little bit after that first game again still first game need to see where things build off of from there uh mckinley wright i i had him with a pretty up and down night i think that he 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 showed all of the different things that he can do, which is good. You know, he, he can get to the rim. He's very aggressive. If if he wants to get to the rim, he's going to get to the rim. Um, he's a good finisher, and I liked pretty much every drive that he took. A shot 8 for 16, by the way. The assists, solid. Five of them. The rebounds, seven. Very good. Again, it's it's just some of the decision-making where it needs to be cleaned up. You know, they only credit him with one turnover. No, they credit him with two turnovers. But again, it seemed like there were a couple more than that. Um, just not totally crisp. He was on, and he'd go a little bit quiet. Uh, we'll see again just like with all these guys, it, it, I feel like it's pretty clear what each of them needs to do, and a lot of it is just ball control, feeling the game out a little bit better, and that's those are those are things that you don't expect to see coming perfectly uh, in the first game of the season, especially in a situation where you're sent to China. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I think that that's kind of my breakdown. Um, first time watching a Buffs basketball game, didn't really know what to expect. Like, i kind of gone through, read all the scouting reports, read what's been written about him, um, watched a bunch of highlights, but what do you really take from highlights? Uh, I'm excited to dig into this. Uh, I'm ex- I am I know that a lot the people who are really into Buffs basketball are really into Buffs basketball, and I, I'm starting to kind of see where that comes from. I'm starting to see, you know, oh, wow, McKinley Wright. He's he's going to hurt himself going to the rim the way that he does. He he hits the ground hard every time, but but that's kind of like an endearing quality that you uh, see from him. Uh, Evan Batty, like obviously great story um, from his family through the stroke, through his comeback, um, and then the way he plays the game is just so easy to cheer for. Tyler Bay, exciting jumper, uh, just great athlete. Uh, I, I I see the appeal of a lot of these guys and some of those other guys. I mean, Maddox Daniels, Dalen Koontz, um, Deshaun Schwartz. Even though Koontz struggled, I still, I don't know. The, the mistakes he made were like, oh, come on. Like, really? You're really going to do that? Not like, oh, wow, he he just doesn't have it. Like, he can't play, Um, if that makes sense. It's a little frustrating that he did what he did, but I'm still confident he's going to clean it up. Um, 
I don't know. This was the first step in me beginning to think about this team the way you guys all do. And I'm excited. I, I'm, I'm really excited. Uh, 81-71, the final score of this basketball game. Solid win. Solid win for Colorado. They move on. They play San Diego. That's a sneaky, tough game. And uh, that's next Saturday at 8. We'll see. We'll, we'll see again what happens. Hopefully they clean a few things up. They'll be back uh, later, uh, a few two days later, Monday night, to play UC Irvine again at home. Um, I think both tournament teams, San Diego and UC Irvine. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think in these next rankings, Colorado will be ranked. I think, were they 27th, 28th, second or third team out in the initial rankings? I think that they make the jump in. Um, I think that's going to do it for me talking today. Uh, I am about to throw on the uh, conversation I had with Andre Simone uh, about Antonio Alfano and just about Antonio Alfano. So if you're looking for 15 or 17 minutes talking about his strengths, his weaknesses, uh, you're going to enjoy the next 15 or 17 minutes. Uh, Thanks again. I'll be back with another show on Monday. Uh, Yeah, Monday, day after tomorrow. Uh, Talking buffs. Not really sure what media availability is looking like, but I will be here. I will be talking and writing no matter what. Uh, Appreciate you all, and... Enjoy the Buffs winning and how awesome it was for Evan Price to do what he did. Okay, so since we're recording this before the rest of the podcast, I don't know what our uh, intro is, whether I'm throwing myself something. So let's just ignore that. And uh, this is Andre Simone. And uh, he is digging into Antonio Alfano, who you guys know well because you're Buffs fans. If you're listening to this podcast, you know all about this man. Former number one recruit in the 2019 class, goes to Alabama, leaves Alabama. He's an edge rusher. He's dominant. He had 28 tackles for loss as a senior in high school. And now he's a Buff after a long, long winding road. And Andre's been digging into the film. He's working on a film room that you guys are going to be able to look at and see for yourself what he can do mm-hmm. with Andre's expert analysis. So I guess let's just start with this. How good is Antonio Alfano? Okay, so here's where because I'm used to evaluating college kids going against other college kids. Yes. So it's a or pros going against pros. It's yes. a different deal to evaluate high schoolers, especially okay. you know. Five-star recruits going against dudes who are playing the final season of high school ball and won't go past that yep. in some cases. Yep. Um, it's not like he's only playing against bumps. Well, what really – I mean, aside from the fact that he looks like a man among boys and just a beast, um, what really allowed me to gauge how good this guy is was watching him – in the All-American Bowl drills that he was at last week. Now, a bit of a late riser in the recruiting process, always a top 50, even top 20 guy. But when he went to the All-American Bowl, he just rose way up rankings. Why? Well, for starters, he tested at elite levels. I tweeted this out that like basically is comparable to Joey Bosa. Nick only, Bosa. Nick Bosa, only bigger. And I think Joey's the better comp, but athletically, huh. you know, his testing numbers as an 18 year old, he was bigger and tested comparably to Nick Bosa at the combine a year ago. <laughs> so there's like a three year difference between yeah. those numbers. Oh, yeah. 
which is absurd. Do you do you know as as absurd. somebody who doesn't watch much high school tape, you don't follow him from high school to the NFL. It's kind of like mid college to the NFL. Yeah. How much improvement do you expect in numbers from high school to the to the combine? Massive leaps. Okay. Massive leaps. So so you expect him to be just probably a much better athlete or at the very least the same caliber of athlete maybe just gets heavier before he goes to the draft right though i think that might be one of the few questions there are about alfano is is he this good now but has like there's less room to grow for him okay than because others. he does look like an, an adult man right uh, that's now. exactly right i i described him in our private chat with ryan um, as uh, you know, as if they dressed up a bear in football gear and unleashed him on children. That's truly, <laughs> that's truly what he looks like. Oh, I love it. Um, but no. So when you watch other guys at that All American Bowl, he was at like Nolan Smith, who ESPN as as the second ranked player in the entire country. Alfano for them was only ranked uh, what twenty eighth. Or you watch. Here, Zach Harrison of Ohio State, 6'6", 244, or some of the other elite pass rushers from his recruiting class at that bowl in one-on-one drills against other five-star offensive tackles. Huh. What you notice is, like, Nolan Smith, undersized, still needs to develop his body and grow. Like, what's going to be his position? Will he be a true defensive end in college? Will he be more of an outside linebacker? Can he get big enough to be an edge rusher? Or is he going to have to be a pure linebacker? Zach Harrison looks gangly, like not quite coordinated. That that six six frame and that two hundred and forty four pound weight, it's all coming together still. It's not well, Alfano. It's like whoa, this guy is ready made right now. And so, does that make it? more concerning that he couldn't crack the rotation at Alabama right away as a freshman since he should have been ready to go? I mean, is that what happened? Or <laughs> is it that some off-field stuff happened? Because I believe with LeBron Ray's injury, with the fact that he had two sacks in the spring game, that this might have been that rare Alabama true freshman that was going to be able to contribute in year one. Okay, because what we're... what. I mean, all of it is kind of shady. We don't really yeah, yeah. know when all of the things with the coaching staff happened. Right, right. It sounded like it was mid-camp, maybe mid-to-late camp, that there was uh-huh. the first flare-up. He missed a couple. And then early on in the season, I think he dressed but didn't play the first two games. And then he did the disappearing. There were some little reports early on that maybe he wasn't going to crack the rotation. But again, no real information right. other than the fact that he didn't play in those games after this had become kind of an ongoing scenario. So we don't really know how much of it was play-related, how much yeah. it was off-field related. But I could see that. You would have expected him to be probably starting because mm-hmm. of injury. Uh, not starting. I think he would have been in the rotation, though. Okay. okay. At Alabama. Which is huge, obviously. Which means like, he would have been emphasize. starting at CU. <laughs> right? I mean, Start, no disrespect. Alabama's just a different level from everyone else in the country that's not Clemson. Well, and, and so I would guess probably not just starting at CU, but an impact player on this defense. Would you go that far? They're potentially their best pass rusher and giving Mustafa Johnson, had he been healthy, a run for his money? Yes. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. good to know. Um, let's dig more into the tape. Let's get specific. Yeah. So it all starts with his power and explosiveness like we talk about freak athletes we do a draft pod you should listen in blah 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 yeah definitely listen to that. um you know and i 
I love all drafts. I'll watch, follow the NBA draft and stuff, and we're always talking about freak athletes, blah, blah, blah. He's, yes, a freak athlete. His freakiness starts in the weight room where he's just a phenom, like redonkulously sick, and it's all lower body. He is built, like, forget light in the pants. It's like <laughs> this dude is just heavy like, in the pants, a hydrant. Um, and you know, it all starts. His power is all coming there. If he plays with consistent leverage, there's no holding your spot against this guy. But he has the arms too, right? Long arms, 34 inch, already longer than Nick Bosa. I mean, and do arms grow? They're probably at 18, you could grow a little bit, okay? Right, okay. But yeah, he's probably tapped out. I mean, the dude's got a beard that would make you it's and incredible. I, you know, puts us to shame. I mean, our, I mean, most of these recruits put me to shame. Well, I don't know what he does. Here, here, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm in my early 30s, and you could say the same. So <laughs> yes, you definitely. Could. We are not the ones these guys need to be compared to. How many of us would it take to block him? Two of each of us, three oh, of each of us. No, 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 no. I wonder if ten of us would do the trick. Like. Ten Andres and ten Henrys, or like five, five of each. Five of each. Okay, you think that that'd be close to a fair fight? Because I think he still tosses us like rag dolls, one at a time, before he gets to the quarterback, or like slips through us. He can do that. He can slip double oh. teams when he's going against college okay. offensive so, line. So let's let's get more specific That's where with I this love scenario. Him is like he'll shed a block, and then there's that poor running back blocking in in the backfield. Ooh. He just engulfs him. That's the other thing. So it all starts power, explosiveness. Okay. It's that combination, that okay. quick twitch, quick twitch, and violent hands. Violent hands. Six force fumbles. He's just like swatting guys to the ground. Like bear paws. They're going down. Yes. They're going down like <laughs> flies. And you know, he makes tackles, and a lot of times the ball's coming out. Six force fumbles last year on top of those 28 tackles for a loss and 10 sacks. Uh, scary dude. And, you know, in the All-American Bowl, unblockable in drills. That's, you know, from the highlights I've seen, sure. But that's the narrative is, like, there was just no stopping him. So, so he, he, he has the he athleticism. Such a late riser, kind of. He has the explosion. He has the strength. He has the body. Mm-hmm. He has, like, the hands where he can just knock you out of the way. Does he have, like, the technical skills to, to be a pass rusher? Does he have, like, kind of the artful part of that game figured yes. out he does yes. he does things like end everything with a rip so that if mm-hmm. he doesn't get through he's forcing a holding basically and he's just so violent with it you know real technician now like any kid this talented you'll get into some bad habits that you'll need to fix up and um i think he could be more of a technician and he could work on his counters more but he's already pretty advanced for his age group in those areas his bull rush is out of this world I mean, because again, he plays with consistent leverage. There's no blocking him against the run, and he's gonna just like push you in the backfield, ram you into the quarterback, basically. Okay, and so so this is a lot of uh, talk based on what you saw high school tape in high school, Mm -hmm. and then also the All America game. Did you notice anything from uh, the the Alabama spring game? I know that's kind of tough to get that full game. Weirdly weirdly difficult to find that full game but we were able to find what 15 minutes of different yeah 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 i'm i've probably seen about 20 snaps from that game okay that alfano was on okay um and yeah between yeah i've probably seen like 25 minutes but some of it's the same plays over and over um 
First thing I notice, doesn't look nearly as big as he appears on tape. When mm. I watch tape in high school, I think this guy's probably best suited as a defensive tackle. Oh. Even though he can do like incredible stuff as a stand-up edge, he's a bit of a tweener, so he's probably best suited as a five technique, which works out in a defense that's a three-man front. Okay. Um, I saw him be a little slow on a stunt. Okay. So that quick twitch explosiveness is there. I love him in pursuit. You'll see him run down running backs on the backside, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, on a stunt, a little slow. Natural edge rusher, I have my doubts. Like, does he have that the bend? bend? Yeah. Does he have that speed, right? That more Clo- of that long out. speed, he, yeah. right, to close out. I'd rather him closer to the ball, closer to center, where that explosiveness is really gonna benefit you and you're gonna you're gonna be in the in the quarterback space much quicker. And and so I think that, that kind of does fit what the buffs are doing defensively mm-hmm. when you look at how they mm-hmm. build kind of the three four, but they have the yeah. star, they have like one pass rushing outside linebacker who kind of gets down at the line right. of scrimmage and plays that right. spot. You aren't asking him to be an edge, you're asking him to kind of be would you call it like a five technique, maybe what the yeah. buffs are doing. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I mean, it could be that that Mustafa Johnson, but m- with more pass rushing ability and more strength against the run. Okay, okay. Um, and and what do you expect from him? As- assuming everything goes well off the field, because mm-hmm. that's not something you can watch tape on. Yeah. Uh, what what do you think his role is in 2020 for Colorado? Assuming he gets the yeah, waiver, that and his true upside are kind of my big questions. Is where does he play and stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really hope he can play selfishly. I really want to see him go against Penny Sewell of Oregon. Mm-kay. I feel like that'd be okay. such a great matchup. Um, who knows? Uh, shoot, for all I know, they might not even play Oregon next year. So that's right. Yeah, I'm not actually um, sure if they do. Yeah, no. That's I on mean, the rotation. Two might. out of three right. years they do. Right, exactly. Um, I mean, I think, like, here's the guy that was ranked as the top recruit in the country by ESPN, for example. Kavion Thibodeau, yep. the defensive end for Oregon, he's been starting regularly for them, more mm-hmm. of a pure edge. And I think he has like five sacks at this mm-hmm. point in this. It might be four sacks, five tackles for a loss, but we're in that yeah. range. Um, I would expect something similar to that while playing better run defense. Okay. Okay. I think that that's. And good. that's, I mean, those are numbers just halfway through the season. Oh, yeah. So oh, like, yeah. And on a very good defense in an too. entire year, right? On one of the best defenses in the country, so maybe the production's not there, but the impact on tape is there. He'd also be a year older than a uh, Thibodeau is right now. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. And I think that's actually know, right. There's some bad habits he'll want to clean up. Like he could be a more sound tackler, but okay. you know he's just swats everyone to the ground in yeah. high school. It doesn't even matter, and you know he's looking to force a fumble on everything you're gonna have to learn to wrap up a little more so essentially this is the book on him he's he has the body mm-hmm. he, he might be what he is going forward right. um right he he has the athleticism the he has good technique um you're not sure if he can translate to the college game just because he might rely a, a bunch on how big he is you have to find a fit right Right. Yep. System fit, positional fit will be interesting. As well. So if you're a coach, you're Jimmy Brumbaugh, the defensive line coach. What are you working on with him day one? A little more speed. Okay. So first off, I'm talking to Mel and I'm trying to figure out 
Mel, what are we doing? Is he a defensive tackle or a D end? Because mm. it's time to make a bit of a decision yeah. here. Are we going to beef him up or are we going to put him on the edge? Because if we want to put him on the edge, we're going to work on his speed a little more and we're going to work on his agility and bend more. And so that would be kind of that Carson Wells spot as a comparison. Man, as a stand-up Outside though, linebacker? Yeah, I didn't in see this that's the scheme, thing. it doesn't really... An interesting quote from this docu-series he had. This will be in the film room. He said um, that Penn State and Georgia, Georgia, where Mel Tucker was the sure. defensive coordinator, so that's very relevant to this, saw him more as an interior player, that they want to beef him up and uh, play him at defensive tackle. But at the same time, they think that he's athletic enough and fast enough to play D-end, so they'd move him back and forth, but primarily play him as a D-tackle, while Alabama saw him more as a pure edge hmm. and wanted to have him as a stand-up edge, play more D-end, some outside linebacker and what have you. Um, and I believe maybe picked Bama in part because of that uh, and maybe still thinks that of himself, but I think that just like they did at Georgia, Mel Tucker might see him as more of a defensive tackle. So I'll be in that. That's kind of the first thing I want to figure out. Depending on that, we'll figure out what to work on. Um, you'd want to beef him up a little more if you're playing him on the interior. Keep working on those hands, working on your counters, um, just trying to be a dominant pass rusher inside and adding a little more quickness, but still really emphasizing that power, which is what makes him so special. All right. I think that that's some good stuff. I think that that's some great analysis, probably the best analysis you can find at the moment on Antonio Alfano. Uh, thanks for giving that to us. And uh, oh, yeah. See you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh -huh. Cause you know we finna hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hit you. Hey, hey. you on your own now. Why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it.
house, mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Colorado swag, man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 